The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Phase two of the relaunch. This is the eve of it. We will move into phase two tomorrow, meaning uh, numerous more businesses will be allowed to open. And in the coming days and weeks ahead, we'll see more city services as well. We know some changes are coming with transit in the next little while. We're waiting to hear details about what's going to happen with um, the Edmonton Public Libraries, uh, big gym facilities reopening. I know my husband trains at uh, the Y over on 111th Street, and uh, he called um, uh, right after the announcement was made that uh, gyms would be moved up from Phase 3 into Phase 2, and they said, mm, no, we're not uh, opening right away. It'll still be a couple of weeks' time, and I'm guessing uh, that uh, there's going to be a number of situations like that. So let me know what you're hearing. You can get a hold of me anytime. Again, 780-496-0063. Um, well, you heard it right here. Yesterday afternoon, it was the province's plan on how to, well, how it plans to send your kids and grandkids back to school. Our guiding principle is to always put safety first for our students and for our staff. I'm pleased to say we have a pragmatic plan that lays out the different scenarios our schools may face come September. It details three possibilities for student learning which will be based on the pandemic situation. In the first scenario, which is the scenario we are targeting, near normal operations will resume and students will return to daily in-school classes with some health measures. In the second scenario, in-school classes will only resume partially because of additional health requirements. And in the third scenario, at-home learning will continue. Our goal is to get us back to normal learning as soon as possible. Teachers, school boards, and parents did their absolute best to adapt to a different way of learning as they guided and supported students at home since March. And our students did their best to adapt to that learning from home. We all know though, that students learn best in the classroom with their teachers and their peers, provided that it's safe to do so. So that is Education Minister Adriana LaGrange uh, outlining those three different scenarios about what the upcoming school year could look like. As you heard, the best case scenario is a return to almost normal with increased health protocols in place. And that is what the government is aiming for. The minister says the province will make a decision on what scenario it will be by August 1st. So how are teachers feeling? How are you feeling, parents? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Your thoughts as you're hearing this plan uh, develop over the next little while. Let's find out uh, what teachers are thinking. Uh, joining us this afternoon is the president of the Alberta Teachers Association, Jason Schilling. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on again today. Thank you. All right. So, you know, I, I'm guessing that you were anticipating this announcement. Uh, I suspect that you're, there's a number of, of um, concerns, uh, a number of challenges that you're thinking about moving ahead. But what was your initial reaction to what you heard? Well, I think that we need to go through the scenarios um, and to make sure that we address the strengths and the weaknesses that are, are within them in certain areas. And we've been involved with government from the very beginning of talking about the re-entry plan. And I know that it's not set in stone yet, but there are mm-hmm. still ways for us to have further conversations to try to clarify certain things around it. 
Jason, I'm curious about how that um, th- those conversations over the past couple of months have been go- going. I know it's been uh, there's been a little bit of friction there over the past little while with the government, um, but when it's when it's coming to this and making a plans for the students and uh, your members to get back to the uh, into classes, um, what did those what did those meetings look like? What did they sound like? Well, we tend to have conversations around um, what members have been telling me, and we just released a pandemic survey that we've mm-hmm. done over the last couple of weeks around um, teachers' impressions of the pen, how the pandemic has affected uh, their work lives and their worries about students and such. And we know from that survey that teachers were concerned about school safety and about uh, student readiness when they come back to school and then mental health. So we've been having the conversations with government about what will school reentry look like like when we have kids in classrooms and who better to give um, advice and uh, guidance to how to re-enter school than teachers who are, who are living that every day. I, I'm wondering, um, and, I'm, and I know a lot of parents out there are wondering, and I'm sure uh, uh, there's so many teachers out there that are just wondering, you know, if we go with scenario one, which is what the government is hoping, what will that new reality be like in a classroom, do you suspect? H- how do you think that that is, is going to unfold come September? Well, there's going to be further discussion, I think, on that because we need some clarification around the roles and the responsibilities of who does what according to the scenario. So within the scenario one, it talks about um, extra cleaning measures and um, sanitization, but there's no new funding in uh, the budget to pay for the extra measures that would be accounted for in schools. And so the school boards have already started to lay out their budgets for the fall, and we're seeing cuts to uh, education assistance and teachers in this budget and so the big question is will there be money allotted to school boards to pay for these extra health requirements not every um, school has as many hand washing stations as, as might be required and so will they pay for portable ones you know what hand sanitizer uh, PPE if it's required um, who will be responsible for for paying that and uh, we need clarity around that as well because teachers are going to be busy teaching students to uh, be socially distance in classes that we know are too large. Um, so how are we going to, um, who's going to do that cleaning? Because uh, cleaning a lot of surfaces, the high touch surfaces through the course of the day um, is not necessarily teacher's work. So we have to ensure that there is staff available to do that as well. And Jason, has, has the association been talking with uh, other provincial teachers associations, maybe in BC, maybe in Quebec, where, where school has been allowed to go back in about how they've been handling their situation, their new reality? Has there been any conversation, any input, or at least um, you know back and forth about how it's going in other provinces? Oh, yes. I'm in regular contact with my counterparts in the different provinces across the country through the Canadian Teachers Federation, and we have conversations um, about how things are working. So, for instance, in Quebec, when they went back, um, you know, the scenario two talks about a cohort of 15. Well, some Mm -hmm. of the schools are older. They can't account for 15 kids with two meters apart. So their numbers went down to 10. And so that is, you know, those are lessons to be learned from those areas as well. And um, I talk quite frequently with uh, um, the the president out in BC through our meetings in CTF as well to see the lessons learned. So um, the education minister saying that uh, the province will make an announcement by August 1st uh, in which scenario schools will go back uh, under. Do you think that's going to be enough time to get things ready? 
I know that school boards are already talking with uh, teachers and parents and students as well through their own surveying to see um, what their thoughts are about a re-entry plan and are starting to put those things in place. And I know that uh, my colleagues are already um, thinking, you naturally do anyways in June, start thinking about what you're going to yeah. do in the fall <laughs> to start planning anyways. Um, I just know that the, the sooner we can have a decision about what scenario will be in place will be uh, will help less the stress that people are carrying about this right now because um, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of stress because there's a lot of questions um, and, and it has been for months just because we're, we're the fact that we're in a pandemic and it has been it's been hard. I mean, it's not been easy for people and I, I recognize that and I know that everybody's doing their very best, but the sooner we know, the better off we can be. You know what, Jason, maybe you can give us a little more details about that uh, preliminary report on, on that survey that was done uh, with your membership about the impact uh, of coronavirus. I think it was more than 8,000 uh, teachers and school leaders uh, across the province were asked about what they thought about returning to the classroom. Um, you know, if you could dig into that a little bit more, um, you know, what were they telling you? Um, I, I know school safety ranked right up there. I, I'm guessing there's got to be some concern as well about, you know, students who maybe haven't kept up on on uh, on their on their lessons while being at home are they going to be ready to you know are they going to be in the right spot when they go back to class in September is is that an issue yeah, teachers identified that as sort of, you know, the learning needs for their students, knowing that they've not been in class since mid-March, and mm-hmm. uh, they'll be coming back in, and whether or not they will be motivated. Uh, we know that, uh, I think, the the pandemic has really exposed some of um, the weaknesses within the education system, so there's uh, some conversations about poverty and, you know, growth inequity. Not every child has had access to technology and things like that, so we want to make sure that we are getting them into um, school mode in the fall. That was the conversation that we had around that as well is assessment. You know, how do you um, assess students fairly through a pandemic where not everybody is engaging in, and I think we can have further discussions about what authentic assessment looks like and not always fall back onto high-stakes standardized testing. Um, a couple of things that actually came up as well is that, you know, the thing that came was pretty... Um, dominant in this uh, survey was that teachers are missing their students mm-hmm. and uh, you know teaching is highly relational and you build relationships with your kids and you you interact with them and um, that's part of the joy of teaching is being with students and so teachers are missing their kids the kids are missing uh, maybe not their teachers so much but they're missing <laughs> school and their friends and I'm sure they're missing some of their teachers um, but teachers also took on a little bit of this notion of, of compassion fatigue like they were working worried about their kids and the safety of some of their students and whether they're connecting and whether they're eating and whether they're sleeping. And uh, they took on that burden themselves. And so that came out through our study as well, that they were concerned about the emotional well-being of their students. And I suspect that some, you know, they're worried as well about the safety of some of their students because we know uh, for some students that school is a safe place. They might be in difficult situations at home. So that has to be a, a reality to, to, that, that some teachers are thinking about as well. Oh, definitely. And the, the report highlights a, a feeling of helplessness by some teachers not being able to connect or assist those students that you yeah. know are in vulnerable situations. And uh, these are the kids that, you know, as a teacher, I lose sleep over worrying about and not being able to connect with them on a regular basis is difficult. 
Jason, I want to play a clip for you. Um, in the legislature on Wednesday and in yesterday's news conference, uh, the education minister, Adriana Lagrange, said as a new education funding formula takes effect in September, all school boards uh, will see their government funding grow. Take a listen to this. Every single school division will be receiving more uh, dollars in their operational funding, and in particular, Edmonton Public will be receiving approximately, if I remember correctly, about $14 million more in their over $1 billion budget. Uh, when I look at uh, when we were developing the model, we included every school division across this province. We had extensive consultations, and uh, we we knew that uh, we were looking at maintaining a $8.223 billion dollar budget, which I, I have to say is, is one of the best uh, funding budgets uh, for education across this country. And uh, we had the input of all school divisions and uh, the wide support of the majority of school divisions. What do you say to, what do you say to, to the statement that she just made about uh, government funding growing? Well, I've always struggled with the reconciliation of what I hear the ministry say and what I see school boards putting out as their budgets mm -hmm. and the, the hard numbers and the you've seen on paper um, the reduction to teaching staff and support staff. I know that from this budget there might there is an increase in the dollars, but you have to go back to the budget last year and the year before where there was less funding. There's a shortfall of funding. We did a FOIP on the budget that came out in tw in 2019. And it was $128 million short of the funding that occurred the year before. So they can say every board received money this year, an increase, but they had a decrease before. And so, and when you look at the budget projected forward, um, the 8.3 is this year, but next year it goes back down to um, that frozen level of 8.2 and 8.2 projected. And we also know that we have 13 to 15,000 new students coming into yeah. the system every year. And so the budget doesn't adequately account for growth. We know that uh, Edmonton Public Schools is having to, to lay off uh, people's uh, lay off uh, layoff staff. We know that layoffs are happening all around, um, and especially a lot of the EAs are, are, are being laid off. And that's going to be heartbreaking for parents and for students who depend on them and, and who need them. Um, before I let you go, Jason, what do you, what do you tell parents um, and what do you... Yeah, what do you say to parents who may be a little worried about their kids getting back to school and about what this might look like come September? I think um, parents should contact their MLAs. I think that parents hold a lot of power when it comes to uh, discussing these issues with their MLAs to make sure that they know uh, the importance of public education in their student's life, that if their student might have special needs, that they need that educational assistance there to support them so that they're successful. We know through um, research and experience that, uh, you know, the, we call it the PUF funding, the program unit funding that is for the littlest of the littles who have some learning disabilities ages, you know, three to five. The more intervention we can get with those kids at an earlier age, uh, the better successful they are through elementary school and get to the point where they might not even need assistance by the time they leave grade six. Mm -hmm. So parents need to interact with their MLAs and really stress the importance of education and uh, adequate and proper funding for it. Uh, Jason, I hope to talk to you um, later on this summer as we get closer to uh, September and maybe when we know a little bit more details and exactly which scenario schools are going back in under. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate your time.
Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Jason Schilling, the president of the Alberta Teachers Association. So you heard it here yesterday. You've heard it talked about uh, throughout the day on the different shows, and uh, we're going to talk about it, you know, till about 2.30 or so. But what are your thoughts on on, on what you've heard about um, about going back to school for, for your children, for your grandkids? You know, Mark just texted and said, hey, Jay, you know what? If it's a return to school and it's social distancing, wearing PPE, no recess and no physical education, no thanks. If it's a half a day with no PPE, but the other mentioned restrictions, so be it. It would only be for a half a day. You can't expect children to sit in a bubble for seven hours. Well, under the plans released yesterday, um, you know, masks are not being uh, recommended. There has been no talk about no recess at this point and no physical education. There hasn't been that outlined yet. Uh, but we will find out more as we, as we move forward in this. You can find out and read the full plan, the three, well, the three different scenarios at alberta.ca.